do want to tell people is that first and foremost, you should definitely trust yourself. There's not one human being that you should give your power to that will then echo you what you're supposed to do. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. You guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Alchemized Life. My name is Ava Johanna. Welcome if this is your very first time. Otherwise, if you have listened and tuned in before, hello. So much has changed since I last recorded internally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you may have kind of seen a little bit of that. Or if you read my blog, you may have read a little bit of that. And it's something that I'm going to be covering more in a solo episode because I think I have one coming up soon. But I went to Big Sur last week with Corey and Penny. Penny's actually in the room with me right now. She's letting out little pig snores, which is so cute. And fun fact, I used to want a pig really bad and she kind of checks all the boxes besides being an actual barn animal. She makes these little noises. So we went to Big Sur and were able to disconnect from all of the noise of LA. And, you know, it's it's funny because I was born and raised here, moved on to San Diego, was itching to come back to the city. And now that I'm here, I'm so grateful to be here. So grateful for everyone in my life, um, all the opportunities and, you know, just being in a city that is so inspiring and so, you know, energized and everyone comes here with a purpose to make amazing things happen. So I really love that about the city. But one of the things that I noticed while I was completely disconnected from social media and my phone and just this whole world was how depleted it was making me feel. And it wasn't that anyone was making me feel a certain way. It was more so the way in which I was relating to my life here. Um, And again, I'm going to cover it more in a full episode because I think that it is a really important topic and question for all of us to ask ourselves. But for the time being, especially as we're jumping into an episode all about human design, I really invite you to be honest with yourself about what it is that you are prioritizing in your life and if it is really true and authentic to you. And I don't mean authentic in, you know, the trendy self-help way of be authentic, be confident. I mean it in the way of like what, what feels good in your body, what makes you feel whole and full and not empty and lustful. So With that being said, again, I'm going to do a whole solo episode because I think this is a super important conversation. And I know that if I am feeling this way, that so many of you guys are feeling this way, it is not a single type of experience or observation that I've made, but it has been very, very 
transformational for me. You know, sometimes we just have those shifts where it's almost this quantum shift where we recognize something and realize something. And then we're able to shift our perspective and shift our belief and do so pretty instantaneously. Other times it takes being reminded of it over and over and over again. And I mean, you know, there may have been other whispers of intuition and, you know, divine speaking to me, telling me that the way in which I was living was not in full alignment, but this was me really, really listening. And I'm really excited on that note to share with you guys over the coming months and, you know, years, of course, this development into what is real, what is full, what is authentic and in alignment for me. And also to give you guys some tools to help experience that within yourself as well. So anyways, we have an amazing episode today with Amanda Green, who is a human design guide and mentor and I'm sure a lot of you already know what human design is. Maybe if you're like me, it's something that's been super confusing. Um, You know, I knew that I was a projector, but when I went online to read about what that meant, I kind of scratched my head and was like, this does not make any sense to me. So selfishly, I'm very excited for this interview and for this conversation because I was able to ask all of the questions that I've kind of always had whenever I listen to different podcasts or again, go online and look up like what it is to be a projector. If you've never heard of human design, you are in for a treat. I am not going to try at all to explain what it is because Amanda is the total expert on it. And she has such an eloquent way and accessible way of breaking it down so we can really live within our design type. And again, go back to living in alignment. So one of the things I want to share before we hop into the episode is that when Amanda and I recorded this episode, she was under her old business name. So for those of you listening that want to follow along with Amanda's journey, following her at amandagreen.co is going to get you exactly to her page, not what she shares at the end of the episode. So just keep that in mind. I'll also link it in the show notes so you can access her there. And, you know, as always, if this episode resonates with you, it means the world to me to have you share it to your friends on your Instagram story, your email list. I don't know write it on a billboard or something like that, (laughs) whatever you feel like doing and sharing and yelling to the world, I am here for it. So with that being said, I'm so grateful for you guys. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me, for being a part of the different iterations of Ava, the different iterations of The Alchemized Life. I am constantly looking to improve, looking to add more and more value to your guys' lives. So if there's any feedback that you have, any guests that you want to see, any questions or you know, literally anything, please feel free to always reach out to me, reach out to the team because we are here to support you in alchemizing your life and turning lead and the ordinary into gold and the extraordinary. And with that being said, enjoy this episode with Miss Amanda Green, the human design guide and mentor. You guys, welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I'm sitting here with Amanda Green, and this is our round two. So Amanda, first of all, thank you for joining me again, (laughs) even though the retrograde gods decided to eat up all of your audio. um, I'm really grateful to have you here. 
Yes, I'm so excited. We have an excuse to hang out again. So I'm happy to be here. Exactly. So I want to know, and we kind of just like touched on it a little bit, but since we last spoke, so everyone for background, I think we spoke in like June, beginning of June. I think it was June. Yes. So it's been two months now and you just told me a super exciting project that you're working on and we're going to get into human design and everything, but I want to hear all about this because I love the idea of making human design accessible. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Yes. Yes. I'm really excited about that too. I want people to be able to use it as a tool for themselves as easily as they can access information about astrology and other modalities. So that is what I am making. That's what is in the process right now. And I'm really excited because I, since our conversation have feel, I feel like I've been a lot more in the know, I guess, with human design. So like when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'm like, oh, do you know what your human design type is? And we'll like look into (laughs) it with them at that point. So can you kind of share a little bit for those that maybe have no experience whatsoever with human design, what it is? Yes, absolutely. Human design is a combination of older modalities with modern science. And when you combine those things together, it's the I Ching, it's the chakra system, Kabbalah, astrology, genetic code. When you combine those things together, what we get is our inner energetic blueprint. And it's how we're meant to operate on this earth in comparison to other people. And whenever people, I mean, this is a side note, but whenever people talk about compatibility and things like that, we're all meant to fit together like a giant puzzle. There's no such thing as two people being completely incompatible. There's always a way for people to work together. It's just all about reducing the conditioning that is taking you further away from that alignment to get back to basics so that you're more in the flow. Okay. And I love that with human design, it is like kind of this amalgamation of all of these different types of ways in which we can look at ourselves and view ourselves. And um, for me, having like a fitness background, I kind of compare that to, okay, well, if you're just going to the gym every single day or just practicing yoga every single day, there's probably something that you're missing out on. Whereas with human design, you're taking astrology, you're taking Kabbalah, you're taking all of these different things and putting it together. So I feel like it's a lot more like well-rounded, but it is very confusing. So for those that have maybe like gone on my body graph. That's like where you go to get your human design, right? Yeah, that would be the best place to go. It doesn't cost anything to use their website. You can go and you can put in your information very similarly to how you would pull your astrology chart. You put in your you know birth information and then it pulls up your body graph. And to, I believe the window for my body graph is on the right side. The chart properties is going to tell you the really key aspects to look at. And the most entry level and the biggest one that people know how to differentiate one way or another when they're not super in-depth into human design is what type are you? So there's going to be five types. And even just researching your type, there's so much information out there, luckily, on this part of human design that you can get a lot of clarity on this information. So even just researching your type will it will be, it will feel so freeing and you can make some major shifts and changes just knowing that. There's going to be a lot more things in the chart properties and and in the chart itself that are going to be more difficult to understand. But I just want to tell people out there, don't worry. You know, it's not super accessible or intuitive to figure these things out on your own. And we're all just kind of figuring out together. And I'm 
trying to help people also get to that place where they can understand it better. Yeah, it's definitely confusing going in there for the first time unless you have like spoken to somebody or have done the research. So I'm curious, like within your own journey, when you figured out, well, when you found human design and when you figured out what your design type is, what were those like initial changes that you made? Was it easy to like make those big lifestyle changes? Oh my gosh. It was, I just got chills. It was so freeing because I'm a manifesting generator. I've got a ton of energy and to read about being a manifesting generator and to know that I'm not flaky, I'm just multi-passionate and I'll pick up one thing and I'll do it and then I'll stop and I'll do something else. And I've always kind of bopped around. I've had lots of different interests. I went to college for interior design. I went to college for fashion design. I've done all kinds of different things. And it just felt like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. I always tried to force myself to kind of fit in to what my, I don't know, maybe one of my parents thought was safe. You know, obviously your parents worry about you. They want to make sure you're okay. They want to make sure that you're stable. But what one of my parents thought was stable was, you know, starting a job right after college and then retiring in that same position. But what I see as stable is very different from that. And that's okay. There's not one right way to do things. Is there a... Knowing knowing the different types, is there like a societal conditioning that has been more geared towards one type, like the idea of getting one job, sticking to it, you know, going to college, then getting married, that whole, you know, this whole like story that is thankfully now starting to get broken down. But it sounds like from what I know about the design types, like projector isn't really meant to be in that traditional path as well. Reflector isn't really meant to be in that traditional path as well. So I'm just curious like what your thoughts are on like where all of this structure came from and who it was really good for. Well, it was really good for the industrial revolution and we're not there anymore. You know, it's 2019, you know, we've got to grow and we've got to change this 40 hour work week. I believe came into effect because workers were being overworked and that became the standard so long ago. I don't know why this is something we're still subscribing to, but I do want to touch on projectors because projectors can work a full-time job. And I just want to set the record straight because a lot of information about projectors is no, you can't work. You have to work, you know, very, very, very minimally, but you know what? You can get creative. There's a lot of startups. There's a lot of companies that are more progressive nowadays where your work doesn't have to look so linear and to standard and on par with what everybody else has decided was acceptable for society. And just as long as, you know, there's options like working from home, there's, you know, taking breaks. It's just, you have to be very creative with how you approach it and a lot more mindful to your energy type. So I don't want anyone to read about human design and feel like it's limiting them because that's not how it's supposed to be used. It's supposed to make you feel free and to feel like you have permission and to get more aligned. And what I think a lot of the conditioning that goes around is wanting people to be like manifestors. Manifestors make up a very small population. They're only about six or 7%. You know, the percentage varies, you know, as the days go on and more people are born. My six-year-old son is a manifester and manifestors 
are, you know, just do it, just go for it, you know, blaze a trail. But that's actually not how everybody is supposed to operate. Human design is teaching us all to slow down and listen to our bodies. There's a lot of conditioning out there that's telling us to use our brains to make decisions, make pros and cons lists, you know, think about it, think about it, think about it. But in reality, our decision-making comes from within our bodies with the exception of the 1%, which is the reflectors, which the decision-making will come based on the lunar cycle. Yeah, which I thought was so interesting. One of my girlfriends is a reflectors and she was telling me that. And I was like, damn, you got to wait, wait a whole moon cycle to make a decision. Yes. <laughs> yes. It can be very frustrating. Um, well, if unless you have the understanding, when a parent is raising a reflector child, they could feel, the child could feel pushed to make a decision. But the parent has to understand that they need to go through that process because the moon needs to hit on every gate in the chart. And it takes one moon cycle for that to happen, for it to go around. And they need to digest it in that way. And so reflectors can't be pushed to make a big decision initially. Of course, tiny decisions, what you want for dinner, that's a different story. But in regards to picking your major in college, do I sell my house, you know, accepting, you know, applying to jobs or deciding to propose to your significant other, like those are all major things and reflectors need more time. Mm, So can we talk a little bit about each of the design types? And then I have some um, questions about how we can like practically implement this information. Um, So we kind of touched on manifesting generators and projectors. Can you just kind of go through and briefly give um, descriptions of each of them? Yes, for sure. I'm going to break it down into, I want to say that manifesting generators and generators both fall under the generator umbrella because we have that sacral motor life force energy. We have the sustainable working energy and wherever you don't have energy, you can absorb it when you're in the aura of somebody that does. So People like us can kind of keep going, 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 going as long as we're lit up about something. But the second that we're not excited about it, that energy is gone. You feel drained. If you're a generator or a manifesting generator and 20 minutes after you get to work every day, you feel drained, something's wrong. Something's off balance. You have to be mindful to be doing what you love because that energy needs to stay lit up so that the non-energy types around you can vibe off of that sacral motor and use that energy for themselves as well. Projectors, we touched on them. Then we have manifestors. I mentioned I have a little manifestor in my house and they are meant to blaze a trail. They're here to polarize. You're either with them or against them. And when they experience rejection, it's amazing. It's a wonderful signpost because they want people to be either 100% with them or 100% in the other direction. They don't want somebody that's kind of, you know, half on the fence with them. They want people to either support them or to go on and move on and do their own thing. And then we have reflectors, the type that needs to wait for the moon to go through the chart um, for an entire lunar cycle to make a decision. One of my very best friends is a reflector. When I found this out, I just, I was so excited because they're the 1%, you know, you don't come across too many. I, so I do have a couple of friends that are reflectors and it's when every center, so every shape within the body graph is white. That means that it's undefined or open and they are essentially a mirror to everybody around them. So a reflector's state of being will be 
a byproduct of who they are surrounding themselves with. And it could even, depending how, on how sensitive they are, could even be the state of, you know, people around them that they don't know. So an extreme example of this is that I want to give you is that Michael Jackson was a reflector. Mm. and you know very sad very unfortunate the way things happened to him but it was a result of who was around him so yes in a nutshell those are the five types and that's really interesting because what's happening on like a global level too you know um i know that with Michael Jackson, the Me Too movement came afterwards, but it was this kind of like ripple effect as well. And so I think that that's super interesting. And um, I was having a similar conversation with one of my girlfriends about uh, about a reflector and um, specifically my girlfriend, um, Jordan Younger, who's the Balanced Blonde. She just put out this amazing course and it's really all of this work that she's learned over her healing. Oh, and what we both found from the course was that it really much felt like a reflection of like all of the global knowledge and spirituality that all like all, all these lessons that we're really learning now as a collective. And so I thought that that was really cool to see how it just really is this reflection or this mirror of um, everything that we are kind of needing to learn on a global level too, not even just by the people that are surrounding us, but like massive lessons. Yes, absolutely. And the more that people can get closer to their true energy, the easier that's going to be. And I actually did want to touch on with projectors. I did want to mention that projectors are going to be really, really, really great assets for, well, leaders of today, but also they will move more into that leadership in the future because people will recognize the importance of them because projectors are the people that kind of see everything and they always know the feedback or the resource to recommend to somebody. They always kind of see it in a different way to know what the best solution would be. And so that's why we need projectors. When they step into their leadership role, they're the type of manager that will have an open door policy and they'll come in in the morning and they'll say hello to everybody. And they're going to say, you know what? Like, I'm so happy to jump into all these projects with you guys. Just come get me when you need me. Because projectors have to be called out. They have to be invited if they try to force that on people. It's not really going to go over as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I feel, I guess I'm going to try and ask this question in the right way. One of the things that I've struggled with since our conversation is when I have the idea come in, then waiting for the invitation and knowing what that invitation is. So as a perfect example, um, I had the idea to create a course and I've been kind of like dabbling in um, writing down an outline and my ideas around it, but haven't actually started doing it. And I've had a couple people. Actually, I had a girl this morning just message me and ask me when I was going, when I could, when she could have more information on um, any upcoming projects or ways to work with me. So, like, would that is that a perfect example of waiting for the invitation? Is now that she's asked, I can create. Yes, and the beauty of this, you don't have to wait for the invitation to engage the idea. You can start preparing behind the scenes, just like you've done. You know, fill your toolbox and get yourself ready while you're waiting for the invitation. As long as it feels good for you to be doing that behind the scenes, keep on going with it. But until somebody calls you out for it, it's just not quite ready yet to be received, regardless of how awesome it is. And okay. I'm sure it's amazing, but yeah, it's that's, gonna be that's good. wonderful. <laughs> that's, 
It's great. Yeah, that's waiting for the invitation for sure. And a lot of us have to, you know, manifesting generators and generators, we have to have something to respond to. And I just want to clarify that an idea is not something to respond to. An idea is not an invitation. So getting that idea in your head is wonderful inspiration. But you have to wait for something to show up outside of you in your outer reality to respond to or to be calling you out. Can you give an example of how that differs from waiting for the invitation? Because when I do talk to manifesting generators, which is the majority of like the women that I work with, that because manifesting generators are the majority, right? Uh, a combination of manifesting generators and generators. Okay. Same strategy. Yes. Got it. Got it. So... Um, a lot of the women that I work with are generators or manifesting generators. And um, when I try to give examples of what it means to respond, sometimes I stumble on my words, again, still learning human design. So can you give an example of what that looks like and differs um, versus waiting for the invitation? Yes, something to respond to. It, I mean, it can be verbally, it can be energetically. So I'll give an example of an energetic response. You're at the farmer's market, you're walking around, and then you do a double take and you walk backwards towards the pineapple stand. You know, that's an energetic response. That's something to respond to. Or if somebody says, you know, what do you, what do you think about doing podcasting for a career? And then you're like, oh my gosh, that's something to respond to. Something to respond to is seeing a television commercial, hearing about something, reading about an idea. That is something to respond to. Waiting for the invitation, I'm going to give it um, an example that plays off of the strength of a projector, which would be feedback. So your girlfriend calls you and she's super upset. She had this argument in her relationship. She wants a shoulder to cry on. She's venting to you. She's venting to you and you're, you know, waiting and you're listening. And then she's like, you know, what should I do? What would you do? That's your invitation to give your brilliant insight. You're there to hold space mm-hmm. and then to give feedback when you're feeling that invitation. Mm, I like that. Thank you for those examples. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but I absolutely am obsessed with true crime podcasts. I started getting into them probably at the beginning of this past year, and it is the one like category of podcast that I just binge through like no other. Anyone else? So for those of you that are super into true crime podcasts, you have to check out Bad Batch. If you've listened to Wondery's Dr. Death, then you will absolutely love this podcast. It is all about Bad Batch of stem cell therapy. And it's going to blow your minds because it's so crazy how much people are investing in stem cell research and then also stem cell therapy. And to think that you could be offered this thing that is a miracle cure, but end up worse off than before is mind blowing to me. And I'm really excited to jump into this series. So be sure to stay tuned until after this episode. I'm adding in a sneak preview of Bad Batch for you guys to listen to. Then subscribe to Bad Batch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Um, Again, I'm going to share a link in the show notes for you guys to listen to it. But this podcast is investigating the multi-million dollar underregulated industry of stem cell therapy. We've seen it on the news. You've heard about it in podcasts and other areas. And now you get to really dive into what it looks like if it goes wrong. I can't wait you guys. If you're into true crime podcasts, let me know. And again, go to the show notes so you can listen to Bad Batch and subscribe to the podcast. And oh my God, you guys. So I have a confession. The beginning of October, I didn't take any CBD at all. 
And I know, I know you guys are probably thinking, but Ava, you talk about CBD all the time. I imagine that you practically bathe in it, which is true, kind of. But I actually partook in a study with Beam and Whoop recovery bands. It's kind of like a Fitbit or Apple Watch to see the effects of CBD in sleep. Dope, right? So we've already passed the first 15 days of the month, and that was when I was supposed to remove CBD from my diet completely. These second 15 days, I'm supposed to take it every single day before bed. I can go back to eating my protein bars, and I can also use the muscle rub from Beam. So now that we're in the second half of the month, I just wanted to share with you guys what's gone down since the beginning of October because my mind is kind of blown. The biggest thing that I noticed was after a week without CBD, the shoulder and lower back pain that I've had for a couple of years came back and was way more noticeable. About a year ago, before I started taking CBD, I struggled basically every night with falling asleep because I could not get comfortable from the inflammation in my back. It was super annoying. So you can imagine why I'm such a CBD evangelist. Feeling the inflammation start to come back, although it's not as bad, I just know that CBD is a major proponent and why I was able to sleep without the annoying pain and tossing and turning. If you're a side sleeper, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. The other super interesting thing that I found through my bracelet is that the amount of times I'd wake up in the night, they call it disturbances, was way higher the first two weeks in comparison to now. Not only am I able to fall asleep faster, but I'm also able to sleep through the night more easily. I wanted to share this with you guys because it's great to hear and see people promote CBD, of course, but to also see the data behind it on my own personal life makes it that much more real. You guys know I love CBD and Beam's line of products. Two weeks without the tincture, the muscle rub and protein bars was way too long. So if you've never tried Beam before, you gotta get on the CBD train. It's THC-free, organically grown, pharmaceutical-grade CBD, plus it's 100% free of preservatives and the protein bars are vegan too. Okay, so to try Beam products, go to their website, beamtlc.com and use the code AVA15 for 15% off your order. The link is in the show notes, but again, that's beamtlc.com and the code is AVA15. Again, I'm going to try and get this question out correctly. Are there ways, like if you are reading your let's say somebody goes and finds out what their human design is and it doesn't really resonate with them, but then they go and read another human design type and that resonates with them more. Is there a way that when we are so out of alignment that we're actually like living more as a different design type? Absolutely. Definitely. It's all about conditioning and we're conditioned even before we're born. And it's of no fault of our family, but it just comes at you from everywhere. It comes at you in television commercials. It comes at you in the workplace, in school. You're at a sleepover at your friend's house and, and the way their parents treat you. It's, it's coming at you from every direction. There are some things that might not resonate. There are some subconscious traits that you might not be aware of that people see in you and they might not resonate at all. But ask yourself, you know, what is it that you're subscribing to? And really take that chance to reflect because human design is meant to be used as an experiment. It's, it's not a religion. It's not a belief system, but it's a tool to help you get into further alignment and experiment and see how that feels to you. And, you know, I bet it's safe to say it's going to be a lot of relief once you start reducing and eliminating the conditioning that's not serving you, that is kind of tethering you to a different path that's not as natural. And I also want to say that not all conditioning is bad. 
there's a lot of conditioning that's great. So just really being mindful of keeping what is making you feel good and vibing high and excited. I think that that's such a good point because I feel like in our, you know, in this new age spirituality, when we start talking about conditioning, it turns into this like dark shadowy thing of like all of these stories and beliefs. And I definitely have like played into perpetuating some conditioning as negative. So I like that you said that and brought that up and brought it to the surface because it's so true. You know, there are so many things that really aren't bad about um, the ways in which we've grown up and things we've learned to believe. Um, I'm curious for someone that you work with, if they are starting to work with you and noticing like these different, like more negative conditioning, um, self-doubt, fear, these stories on loop, how do you direct them back to their unique authority? What does that look like? And you can probably just give like a high level answer because I know it's different per person. Yeah, totally. It'll depend on what's happening in the chart. So if somebody somebody's having issues with self-doubt and self-worth, I will look at the head centers, the will center, and the self-center, which is also the G-center, kind of try to figure out where all that is coming from and figuring out what is happening around them. You know, my friend, Ambi, Alchemy with Ambi podcast, just released an episode yesterday about the alchemy of relationships. And she does mention in it a quote from somebody that says something like, you are the sum of the five people that you're closest to. Just being really mindful wherever you're open to conditioning to what you're allowing yourself to take in. And wherever you are open to conditioning, so the white areas of your chart is where you have the opportunity to empower yourself with setting boundaries. You know, maybe you do surround yourself. I'm not telling you to write off people in your life, but you can have boundaries around what they're allowed to come at you with. And also just looking at the things that you're taking into your subconscious. You're kind of in a subconscious trance when you're watching television or movies. Also the books you're reading, the podcasts you're listening to, but also doing some deep dives, doing some guided hypnotherapy, things like that. You have to be able to access your subconscious to dig it out. Affirmations are great and awesome. And I think everybody should use them, but it's not enough to get rid of those limiting beliefs and to kind of dig them up and see where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to have awareness of where they're coming from in order to, you know, just put the band-aid of an affirmation over it. I think that that's right. so important. Um, so with the, one of the things that you mentioned was like the, the centers of the body and I'm like visualizing my body graph right now and the, um, the actual graph that they have of the body, how many centers are there in the body? And is that pulling in like the chakra system? Um, like what, what are those? I think that that's super interesting. And like, now I want to go look at my graph and see where my white centers are in my body. Yes. Yes. So the centers are going to be the chakras. There's nine of them. We used to be a seven centered being, but we've evolved into a nine centered being. So that would be how the chakra system is involved. And you're either going to have them white or you're going to have them a color. The color doesn't matter. They're just going to be colored in. And wherever you're colored in is where you have fixed access to how you experience that energy. 
Mm. Wherever it is white is where you can experience it based on the aura of people that are around you. Mm. So it's also where you can be empowered to choose the messaging and the conditioning that's coming your way. And you can also be empowered to set the boundaries you need to. For example, with an open heart center, 70% of the population has an undefined heart center. That means it will be white again. And Something that can happen there is trouble with your relationship to money. So it's going to be very important to set boundaries. If you have a friend that comes to you every day and complains about how broke they are, you know, you have to be able to set a boundary that and recognize that that's not a good effect on getting your relationship to money to where it's going to serve you. So being very mindful of things like that and Whenever you're just feeling not good about something, you have the right to set that boundary so that you can get to a better place in your own evolution. Yeah, I'm so I'm really excited to like look at my chart again and see where I have the undefined centers. So for somebody, I mean, what I feel from just like this conversation is that like it's very much like an energetic thing. Um, and the way in which we decide to live within our within alignment or out of alignment is gonna um directly affect our energy levels. Um, and it's interesting because um, for the past week, I have been working maybe like two to three hours a day and have been feeling so good. And like, you know, I do have this conditioning come up of, oh, I need to be working more in order to be successful or to feel better, to feel worthy. Um, and so I've been kind of like going through that on my own and like unraveling what that all means. Um, but then the last two days I was working basically from like nine in the morning until either like seven or eight o'clock at night and just feeling so exhausted, even though it's work that I love. And so it's interesting to see the difference between being in alignment and being out of alignment. And I'm curious, outside of energy, are there other direct like impacts that your being in alignment versus being out of alignment is making dependent on the d- design type, like energy being one of them? Um, is there anything else? Uh, manifestation. Mm, can we yes. talk about that more? Absolutely. So the biggest... All right. Spoiler alert, everybody. So the biggest blocker to your manifestations is going to be burnout. It's going to be trying to just grind out something that's not, you know, not in alignment with your energy. And like you said, you have this conditioning that you should be working nine hours because you love it, but it burnt you out. You're a projector. So you have to gauge where your energy is, it's not going to be the same as the projector next to you. You know, not every projector is given 2.3 hours of energy a day. You know, that's not how it is. You have to really, really honor your energy. And it's not about working harder. It's about working smarter, especially for you. You're somebody that is supposed to really be able to hone in and to know how to most effectively use the more limited energy that you have. So, If you are trying to force something to happen, you'll feel burnt out. Even a generator or manifesting generator, if you're trying to force something and it's not in alignment with you, but your parents told you to get your law degree and this is the way it has to be and you have to work at this firm and you're brand new, so you have to work 70 hours a week to prove yourself... It's never going to get better for you. If you're like, this is terrible, but I'm going to stick it out and wait for the next best thing to come along guess what? The next best thing is not going to come along. Mm -hmm. You're just not even at the frequency to 
even call that in to match you. You're only going to call in things that are pretty much parallel to what you're doing or barely one step above. It's, it's going to be like this leaky life raft that comes in to save you. Like it's not really your ideal situation. So it's really important to be able to honor your energy because it, if you don't, if you push yourself into doing things that other people have made you believe that you're supposed to do or that you're supposed to want or that you're supposed to try to manifest, it's just not going to happen for you. Yeah. I think that that, I mean, I'm just like seeing that reflected in my own past career choices of um, when I was still in the corporate space of how they all kind of were the same. And it wasn't until I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. When I like set myself up to freelance for a while. And that's when like things started changing. And when I started manifesting things that were different from like my current reality. Um, So I'm curious for somebody that is in a position like that, what are some small changes that they can make? What that aren't necessarily as big as like quitting their job and up and moving to South America like I did. Um, that is more of like a middle ground that it's a little bit safer. <laughs> yes, I understand that something like that, it's just not realistic for most people. You're very fortunate that you got to have that amazing experience. But, you know, it's going to be different things depending on your type. For me, when I was working in corporate, when I was working in interior design and knew that I did not want to work for that company anymore and that I wanted to do my own thing. And I wanted to share the message about human design and astrology and alignment. I started to even look for the tiny little things like stopping, you know, in the afternoon with my son to get an ice cream or going to have coffee with a girlfriend, calling out from work just because I felt like watching Game of Thrones, you know, like just things I'm I'm not encouraging anyone to sabotage their job, but like finding the little things that are just going to keep you lit up. If it makes you feel like totally excited to stop at the candy vending machine in the middle of your work day, then do it. Give yourself a little pick me up. It doesn't always have to mean buying yourself something. It could mean allowing yourself to cancel plans with a friend because you just really feel like you want to stay in and do some yoga and meditation and journaling. It's going to be really, really looking for those things that light you up, even the teeny, teeny, tiny ones, because it'll start to flex that muscle for you, it'll get easier and it will start to snowball and you're just going to feel a lot more empowered because that's what happened when when I quit um, working for somebody else is that I was doing all of these little things and I was doing human design on the side, but it was never, ever, ever, ever going to grow beyond the space I had for it because I was so miserable and so occupied at this full-time position working for somebody else. I had to take the leap of faith and just trust that it would all work out. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's such a good point, you know, like you're, it's only going to grow to the space that you allow, that you give it. Right. Right. And I'm a manifesting generator. I feel like I can give all my energy to everything, but no, that's not the case. If I'm bogged down with 40 hours of misery a week, there's literally no more space than the few hours I had per week to do human design for other people. Like it was never going to overtake my current income. I was never going to be parallel with income and could easily just step into it. I had to just kind of build up that trust, keep doing things that excited me, keep reading charts for people, talk about this with people, you know, little things that I like to do until eventually I decided, you know what, I'm just going to trust and then just go for it. I actually got a little pep talk from our friend Kelsey right before. She is the best. (laughs) Seriously amazing. Anyone out there that 
that has not had the wonderful experience of stumbling upon Kelsey Patel. Go check her out. She's awesome. But yeah, I, I met with her and I had tea with her when she was in town with her husband. And I was like, you know, Kelsey, like, I think that Monday is going to be the day. I think Monday I'll put in my notice. And she just looked at me and she's like, I think you will too. And she was just so calm. And so, and I was like, yeah, like, you know, it, it really does feel so right. So it was very, very scary, but I did it. And it, it really took getting myself out of that really low vibrational state to getting into practice of doing things that lit me up to really kind of boost me up to be in that place where I felt like it was going to be all right. Yeah. I love that. And I think that I've just heard that from so many people. It's just leaning into like what feels good and continuing to trust, continuing to trust. So I'm curious um, because I feel like a lot of people that are at the beginning stages of any type of transformation are in some ways or maybe a lot of ways living out of alignment with their type. So how did you first start to develop the awareness to know that you were not living in alignment and start to kind of like peel back those layers and make the necessary shifts to redirect yourself? Well, I knew a long time ago that I was different than what the expectation of me would be. And I love my family. They did not put any like hard, crazy, rigid expectations on me. But like my brother was a Marine and now he works for the VA. My sister's a doctor. My other sister's a doctor. My brother's a chiropractor. You know, everybody kind of has their very practical careers. And I just never really felt like I could fit into that. I mean, it would have been a lot easier if I felt like that was for me. I started on a path when I was in high school where I was taking vocational programs. At the time, I wanted to be a radiologist. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, no riveting. Like, what? (laughs) But it sounded practical. And that's what everybody was doing. I grew up in a small town. Like there was no room for creativity in the way that I was looking at things, like in the way that I saw it. So I always kind of felt like I was a little bit different and like I was trying to find my way. I have been so into astrology since I was very, very young, even a teenager with YM Magazine, if that dates me, I don't care, with YM Magazine flipping to the back and looking at, you know, my weekly horoscope or whatever. But you know, it's a work in progress. It's always been a work in progress and I'm not done. I'm not done today. It's going to be forever because there's going to be things that come at me. You know, I'm a soul living a human experience. There's always going to be things that are going to come into my way and try me. You know, there's always going to be things that are going to test me to see if I'm standing in my integrity and confidence or if I'm willing to waver. So it's, it's a constant evolution. Do you have any practices that you just really lean into in those times when you are um, in like bigger stages of transformation? I know like for me specifically during this past eclipse season in retrograde, this was like a big up leveling and like changing of one chapter to the next. And so there were a lot of practices that I had to lean into. Are there any that you specifically um, will like are your go-tos like meditation or journaling? Yes. Um, my go-to would be guided hypnosis. I really love that. I want to say that I love meditation, but I have not created the patience to sit with it. I, you know, I'm just, I feel just so busy, like always bopping around, like I'm sitting there doing nothing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, 
I need to go to the grocery store and get this. I, you know, I'm making like my to-do list in my head during meditation, which sounds nuts. But when I can sit down to do it, I never regret it. It always feels amazing. And I should definitely make that more of a priority. You know, my son goes back to school soon, so I don't have to figure out how to entertain him while I'm working at home. There you go. So maybe it's going to be easier. But I also like playing with tarot cards. I really like looking to astrology on its own, aside from human design. You know, I... I like energy healing. There's a lot of different things, but what I do want to tell people is that first and foremost, you should definitely trust yourself. There's not one human being that you should give your power to that will then echo you what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't let anybody else to decide, oh, this is going to be your path. Go and do this thing. Like, and you're like, what? But okay, I'm going to blindly trust you. You know, there's no one guru, there's no one thing. You just kind of have to create your own toolbox for yourself. And it's really kind of fun exploring that and to figuring out what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that anytime that I go get healing sessions, whether it's with a medium or, a, you know, an, an intuitive, it's always just reflecting back what I already know. Exactly, exactly. And that's how you know you get somebody good. Because and that's the same like with human design. It's gonna tell you a lot of what you already know, but if if you feel so stuck, it can almost feel like it's giving you that permission or that validation or that vindication that yes, like I always knew this to be true. People would always try to tell me something else when I was acting in this way, but that was out of alignment when I listened to them. So I need to get back to my own natural state. But yes, just being very mindful of checking in with yourself. There's so many amazing healers and practitioners, but always making sure that you're in alignment and that you know who you're trusting to go to. And that ultimately, after it's all said and done, that you're the only one responsible for your own path and your own decisions and your own growth. Yeah, 100%. And I find that also it... Every time that I go outside of myself and like have that uneasiness and then it's mirrored back to me like, oh, no, 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 you, you were right. Like this is, this is confirmation. If I continue to do that, I'd find myself coming back into that self-doubt versus if I'm like, okay, this person said it um, and that was a reflection of what I already knew. I don't need to like seek outside of myself anymore. I'm just going to run with it. You know, I think that it's really easy for us to fall into self-doubt because there is so much information and resources available now. So it's really finding that balance between, okay, seek outside of yourself a little bit, but also remember that you have everything inside of you. Absolutely. Definitely. And self-doubt is going to be, you know, from a human design standpoint, something very easy to fall, fall into because your authority will never lay out to you the reason why it has decided something. And your brain will immediately want to run it through logic. And that's when you're going to trip yourself up. Like, you know, if you're driving to a meeting and the typical way that you go for this Monday meeting is, you know, route A, but, you know, something in your body tells you to take route B and you're just like, no, why would I do that? If you don't listen to that, maybe you're stuck for an extra 20 minutes because there was a car accident ahead of you. You never, you literally never know until it's in hindsight. And it's just really leaning into that trust, leaning into your authority and just knowing that it is not based on logic. How do we, being very logical humans, get outside of the... I think that's the right brain, right? Right brain is, or left brain is logic. Left brain is logic. How do we start to shift outside of the left brain over to the right brain? 
Well, we don't need to leave the left brain because definitely there's a lot of amazing things that happen from the left brain. But in order to get out of your head and more into your body with trusting your decisions, it's just, it's all in practice. It's all in practice and just really like noting when you were out of alignment with that, what happened, you know, if you know in your heart that something's right and you don't do it and you have, all of us have had that, you have that moment where you look back and you're like, oh God, I knew it. You know, everyone has had that. Note those down and start to really build that trust muscle. Really look into what your authority is because there's several different authorities and there's, um, you know, everybody has one and it's not your brain. Mm, So unique authority is different from our human design type? It is within your human design. Okay. not all human design types will have the same authority. Like not all manifesting generators will have the sacral authority. Got it. Okay. Options. There's also the emotional authority. I won't get into the giant list. I don't want to confuse anybody, but every type will have the same strategy in which they need to screen events to get them to a place to let their authority to make a choice for them. Got it. So that would be waiting for the invitation, the yeah. lunar cycle. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like we've been able to dig so deep into human design today for someone listening. That's like ready to dive in. I know that you said you're working on your course. Do you have an idea of when that's going to be going live? Um, is there a good place for people to start just like jumping into all of this? I am hoping that that will go live during Scorpio season, our birthdays and actually when this is going live, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So definitely check back for that. It's It's going to be a really in-depth course. I'm going to use a very, very, very inexpensive web-based human design chart software where I will walk participants through every single step. It will be self-guided and explain every level of the chart so that you can use human design to empower yourself as your own tool as easily as you might be able to use astrology or look it up or whatever. In the meantime, I'm going to have a workshop up on my website. It's $20. It's Human Design 101. It's something I did with Holisticism. It was one of their workshops. So that's going to be available until the course comes out. Very cool. Amazing. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone find you? My website is intuitivegalaxy.com and I'm on Instagram at intuitivegalaxy. Thank you so much. Thank you. When John Coastal Sharon's mom called him with some bad news. She said, oh, you know, I burnt, today I burnt my hand and it's really bad. He was worried. It looked like wrinkled skin to the skin got blisters to the skin came off. Then John had an idea. He flew his mother to California and they went to a clinic where she got stem cells. And just like that, her hand started to get better. It even cured her arthritis. So it was life-changing for me. Really life-changing. Aside from healing my hand. For John's mom, the treatment worked. Across the country in Texas, Elaine Dilley tried to help her mother with stem cells just like John had done. My husband and I would do anything to help her. But she would not be so lucky. 911, where's your emergency? What's going on? She had stem cells in her back and neck last Wednesday. Uh Uh-huh. And she can't move. 
Were you afraid that you were gonna lose her? I knew I was gonna lose her. Two patients, two mothers, who place their hopes in the promise of a miracle cure. And these two are connected, but not in the way you might expect. Once you find out the truth of the whole story, you just really can't believe anybody anymore. From Wondery, the network behind Dr. Death and Over My Dead Body, comes a new story, Bad Batch, about people who went searching for a miracle. I wasn't shocked. It was just a matter of time before they were going to get caught. Um, I knew they were, uh, you know, selling snake oil. And found a nightmare. I'm going to say that wherever there's opportunity, there's greed. And wherever there's money, there's greed. And when greed gets involved, bad things happen. I'm Laura Beal. Bad Batch premieres October 23rd on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. And I looked at him and said, are you sorry, John? Are you even sorry? Sorry.